0: Well, if you're wondering what you just experienced just now, that's the Holy Spirit, Amen. right? It's the God of the universe alive and active in our midst. It's the power of the resurrection because if we were worshiping a pile of bones somewhere, this would not be happening this morning. God is good and I'm so thankful to be in his house this morning. I'm also thankful to be able to to share with you during this connected sermon series. We're we're exploring this awesome reality that we are all made unique by God, lovingly handcrafted by our Heavenly Father. And we've we've explored how we have unique uh, temperaments and unique personalities and unique love languages. And this morning, we're going to look at how we have unique spiritual gifts. But before we dig into that, let's just take a moment and marvel at the fact that while each one of us is unique, we are all connected to form a greater whole. We're unique individuals, but we're not called to a life of individuality. And that's an important distinction as we get started with this because the world teaches this doctrine of individualism. This idea that I am enough. I am all I need. I can be anything that I want to be. I can do anything that I want to do and I don't need anything else or anybody else. Let me tell you, Satan loves it when we believe that lie. Because God, God says to us, apart from him, we can do Nothing. So if we think, I got this, then I'm not doing anything because I don't have God. And God says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am also. If we think, I don't need anybody else, then we're apart from God and Satan loves that. We need God, we need each other in our lives. And this idea of individuality that the world teaches, it actually sows a lot of loneliness. It sows distrust in others and it sows loads and loads of false confidence in ourselves. Instead, God desires that our uniqueness would actually bring us together. We are connected by our uniqueness. And the Apostle Paul, he dives into this a bit in, a, in his letter to the church in Ephesus. So we're going to dig into our, our primary passage of Scripture this morning. So if you have your Bibles you can, or your apps or whatever, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to read through verses 1 through 16. But before we do, I'm going to invite us to bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's go into prayer before the reading of God's Word this morning. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, thank you for overwhelming us with your presence this morning. Thank you, God, for the privilege we have to gather in your house. Thank you for the opportunity we have, God, to access your word. It's so easy for us to get our hands on. and They are the holy scriptures, God, just as relevant today and applicable today as they've ever been. And Holy Spirit, we surrender ourselves to you and ask that you would open up our hearts, our minds, our eyes, and our ears to the truth. In the Holy Scriptures this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to what Paul writes, Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, or for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children Now, I cannot possibly unpack all that there is in that passage of Scripture in the time I have available, but just a little bit of background for you. Paul writes this letter to the church in Ephesus, and it's a it's a Gentile congregation. And Paul is writing this extremely encouraging letter to them to just remind them, to reinforce in them this reality that they're no longer separated by God, by His covenant promises, because of their ethnicity or where they were born. Paul is, is painting this picture of of this united church, telling the Gentiles that they are now part of God's family along with the Jews. And in this particular passage of Scripture, he paints this picture again of the united church, Jews and Gentiles, believers from all walks of life, united in Christ, bound to one another in love, working together to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which they have received. And these Gentiles have received the same calling that the Jews had received from God. It speaks of of this uniqueness, but also this unity. We are unique, and we are united in Christ. Picture the human race as a jigsaw puzzle. You take a 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzle, you dump it out on a table. What do you have? You have this big pile of a mess, and you can look at that pile, and you think, how in the world is that going to become the picture that's on the cover of this box? That's the human race without God. But what do you do with a jigsaw puzzle? You start to sort things out. You start to find those flat edges. You find those four corner pieces. Then you got yourself a frame you can work with. Then you start mixing up all the other pieces based on color and pattern. And after a while, all these unique pieces come together to form this amazing, beautiful hole that you see on the cover of that box. That's what God wants to do with the human race. He doesn't want to leave us a jumbled mess. He's working in us, bringing all these unique pieces together to create this beautiful hole. He's created us all uniquely different, but we all connect together to form the kingdom of heaven. Now, in Paul's teaching here, this, uh, at the center of this picture of unity that Paul paints for us is what? Spiritual gifts. He opens up this passage of scripture. He's talking about oneness in Christ, and he's talking about, um, at the end, he talks about working together to build one another up, to, to maturity in spirituality. And sandwiched between that, is a brief teaching on spiritual gifts. I think it's through the use of God-given spiritual gifts by every believer that the church will experience unity and grow together into spiritual maturity to advance God's kingdom. Before we take a a deeper dive into spiritual gifts, what they are, what it's all about, let us uh, just keep a couple important facts in mind. Hold these thoughts in your mind as you listen to what I share with you today. The first thing, I want you to to really embrace here. Spiritual gifts are not natural talents. Spiritual gifts are not natural talents. I think these can be easily confused because you look at a list of spiritual gifts and they sound like natural talents. But there's some key differences. First, natural talents are often just genetic. We're born with innate natural talent. The, The top draft prospect for the 2023 NFL draft is a player named Arch Manning. You may not have heard of him. But Arch Manning has a dad named Cooper who would have been an NFL quarterback were it not for an injury. Arch Manning has a couple uncles. You may have heard of them, Peyton and Eli, they're Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Arch Manning has a grandfather named Archie who was a Pro Bowl quarterback in the NFL. There is something in that genetic makeup of that family that makes them naturally talented quarterbacks, right? So that's, that's one of the big differences between spiritual gifts and natural talents, all right? You get a natural talent at birth, at at physical birth. Spiritual gifts don't come until spiritual birth. So spiritual gifts are not genetic like natural talents. Another difference is that natural talents can be, they're products of our environment and we can nurture them ourselves. We can train in them to become better at them. I think of, I'm going to brag on my daughter Madison a little bit. We knew Madison had the natural talent of singing music before she could talk. She could carry a tune before she could talk. And we knew she had that natural talent. And through school and through being in choruses and musicals and stuff, she's, she's honed that natural talent. But if you ever see my daughter Madison on stage, it's much more than natural talent on stage when she's singing. There's spiritual gifting in that. She has a spiritual gift of, of creative communication in her. So natural talents are something that we use, and it's up to us to make the most of them. Where spiritual gifts, God uses, and God makes the most of those in us. So just keep that in mind. Spiritual gifts are not natural talents. Everyone has natural and innate talent, but these are different than spiritual gifts, all right? Second thing to keep in mind, all right? Every believer has spiritual gifts, all right? Every believer has spiritual gifts. Just like we we all have some form of innate natural talent, every believer has some spiritual gift or gifts, okay? So, You may be sitting here thinking, this doesn't apply to me. I don't have a spiritual gift. And and just understand, it's not just for a select few. All right, If you're rooted in the Christian world or in God's word, when you hear the term spiritual gifts, your mind might gravitate towards the apest anagram. In fact, over the last few months, Craig has touched on this subject a few times. And and this apest anagram is the most commonly referred to list of spiritual gifts. It's from this very passage we read this morning. Paul mentions it in Ephesians 4.11. It says, and God gave spiritual gifts. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. That's what Apes is: apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And that's often referred to as a list of spiritual gifts. But you may be sitting here and you're thinking, "I'm not a, I'm not a prophet. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a shepherd. All right. So what do I, what do I, what do I do? This must not apply to me because I don't have any of those spiritual gifts." Bear in mind that these spiritual gifts, most often, they're accompanied by a lifelong calling that often leads to vocational calling to ministry. So like pastors and missionaries and chaplains and biblical scholars, it's, it's this lifelong vocational calling that often comes from these spiritual gifts. And the scripture specific that these spiritual gifts are given for a very specific purpose. And Paul highlights what that is in Ephesians 4.12. He says this, he says, God gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up, the body of Christ. That's an important thing to know. Who are the saints? We're the saints, right? You've heard Craig say it before. You're saints. When we accept Christ, we go through a, a, an identity, identity transformation where we're no longer sinners. We become saints, all right? And it says here that those uh, the apes equips the saints for what? The work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. What is this work? Well, Paul gives us a little insight earlier in this letter, in Ephesians 2.10, he writes, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If the apests were the only spiritual gifts and abilities, then there wouldn't be much work for the saints to do. And there's no way that the the apests, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers can do all the work of ministry, can advance God's kingdom. It's just not going to happen. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, quite, quite simply this. This is not the exhaustive list of spiritual gifts. All right? If you took a survey of Scripture, there's a lot of spiritual gifts mentioned all throughout Scripture. Here's a list of some: wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation, apostleship, teaching, helps, administration, encouragement, giving, leadership mercy, evangelism, shepherding, hospitality, craftsmanship, intercession, and creative communication. Those are spiritual gifts mentioned in the Bible. And sitting in this room this morning, this body of Christ, all of those spiritual gifts are represented in this body of Christ right now because every believer has spiritual gifts. Every human being has natural talents, but only every believer has spiritual gifts. So now we know uh, a few distinctly important facts about spiritual gifts. So we're going to dig into it a little more. But instead of, instead of getting into like, what these spiritual gifts specifically mean, what it looks like to use them, how you might discover them, I didn't think that was the right setting for this. Instead, I want us to just take some time and, and talk about how awe-inspiring it should be for us that spiritual gifts are even a thing. It should be awe-inspiring that spiritual gifts are even a thing. There's a transformational reality to the fact that spiritual gifts exist. Spiritual gifts, when we think about them and dig into what, what it means about God and his love for us and what he does for us so that we can do for others, it should change the way we see ourselves, it should change the way we see others, and it should change the way we see the church, and it should change the way we see the world and what God wants to do in it. So we're gonna take some time this morning and I wanna share with you what I'm calling some transformational realities of spiritual gifts, all right? I coined that phrase, transformational reality of spiritual gifts. The first one is this. Spiritual gifts are given to us by God for others, all right? Spiritual gifts are given to us by God for others. Now, to be clear, we are blessed by our spiritual gifts. We We will benefit when we use our spiritual gifts because God will bless our obedience in using our spiritual gifts. But Paul makes it clear in this passage from Ephesians that spiritual gifts are for the benefit of others primarily. That's what God wants them for. Listen again to what he writes in verses 12 through 16. He says, God gave gifts to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I think what we take from that particular passage of Scripture is is both an encouragement from Paul and a warning from Paul. First, the encouragement is that there's this synergistic reciprocity to God's design for the church, right? As a parent, one of the biggest lies I've ever told my kids is you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whoever you want to be. My kids are in here. Love you guys, you know? (laughs) Think about it though. Can I be whatever I wanna be? Can I be a star center in the NBA? No, I'm short. (laughs) I cannot be whatever I want to be. I cannot do whatever I want to do. And that applies to the church. I can't be everything I need to be. First and foremost, I need God, but I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's how God created it to be the things i can't do the things i fall short in god's going to do and he's going to use my brothers and sisters in christ to do as well we're all together in this that's this that unique and united aspect of the church that god wants for us that's so encouraging we see this inherent design for the church come to life in like acts 2 and 4 when the church is just exploding you have this united church where they're all meeting together they're meeting one another's needs they're they're building one another up they're carrying each other's burdens I build you up so that you can build someone else up. There's someone building me up. There's someone building them up. And on and on and on it goes. That's how God wants it to be. That's so encouraging. But we'd be remiss if we overlook the warning that is in this scripture, loud and clear. If we think we can do it all on our own, and if we don't use our spiritual gifts, then guess what? We are so, so vulnerable. And we let Satan have his way. We let Satan have his way. We'll never grow to become who God created us to be. We will be susceptible to the attacks of Satan if we're not using our spiritual gifts to bless others. That's why God gives them to us. That's why God gives them to us. We will fall sway to the lives of the world and the church will descend to complete irrelevance if we're not using our God-given spiritual gifts to bless others. And there's, a, there's a, this amazing a revelation of God's intentionality and how he made things and the order in which he puts things in. When we think about that, and that should just inspire all in us. It's a transformational reality. I have a spiritual gift or I have spiritual gifts that I'm to use to bless others. But I know I can look around this room and there are spiritual gifts in this whole entire room that are gonna be used to bless me and others as well. That's just, that changes the way I see the church. It changes the way I look at all of you. It changes the way I look at myself in the mirror. The second transformational reality about the fact that spiritual gifts even exist is this. Spiritual gifts reveal our divinity and our holiness. Spiritual gifts reveal our divinity and our holiness. Every single person has a natural talent, but only believers have spiritual gifts. They are, after all, a gift from our Heavenly Father. Okay, they are gifts from our Heavenly Father to His beloved children, and there's a divine and, and holy nature to that. Not that we're divine and holy on the level that God is divine and holy. We're never to try to attain to be at the same level as God. John the Baptist said that he must decrease so that God may increase. Isaiah says that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We'll never be at God's level of divinity and holiness. But there is God's divinity and holiness in us, and the very existence of spiritual gifts reveal this reality. First of all, spiritual gifts are inspired, revealed, and nurtured in us by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, right? We are temples of God because God dwells in us. It's interesting that this truth is first revealed to us not in the New Testament. We think of the Holy Spirit. We often think we just jump to the New Testament, but this this truth is first revealed to us in the Old Testament. Listen to this passage from Exodus 31, 1 through 6. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of Ahisamah, of the tribe of Dan, And I've given to all able men ability that they make all they may make all that I have commanded you. Pro tip: when you're reading complicated names in the Bible, say them with confidence. People will believe you know how to pronounce them if you say them with confidence. All right? As far as you know, I did all the studying and I figured out how to pronounce those names. I'm just saying with confidence. All right. But what's happening in this passage of scripture? It's pretty remarkable. God is ordaining the building of the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, all these amazing things are going to be used for the Israelites in the wilderness for the glory of God. And we learn from this that God specifically calls two men and he fills them with the Spirit. And it's this filling up of the Spirit that their abilities become different and change and become more meaningful. The ability of of intelligence and knowledge and craftsmanship, artistic design, to work with stone and wood is brought out in these men. It's an amazing thing to think that God called these two men out specifically, right? Of all the thousands upon thousands of Israelites who escaped Egypt, he called these two men specifically for this particular purpose. These men are special. But here's something that, that occurs to me and, and just, again, brings out the transformational reality of spiritual gifts. These men are special, but they're not unique. Because all throughout Scripture, God specifically calls people. And guess what? He does that today in 2021. He does it today right now. He calls us specifically for specific purposes. In fact, our spiritual gifts are uniquely given to us for specific reasons. Think about that for a second. God is not some some, uh, distant being who looks down upon his people and like sprinkles fairy dust down there and says, here's spiritual gifts. Let's see where they fall and what happens. That's not how God operates. No, God, he took time with each and every one of us to give each and every one of us specific spiritual gifts for specific reasons, for specific purposes. That should make you feel really special this morning. It makes me feel really special to think that that's what God has done for me. Listen to these passages scripture. Psalm 139, 13 through 15. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately intricately woven in the depths. All right, I didn't say that with confidence. Listen, my kids, my, my three kids in here, you may not be able to do everything you wanna do. You may not be exactly who you want to be, but you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God for specific purposes. All right, better than anything the world could promise you. God has created you for something specific. That's it for everyone, not just my kids. All right? Listen to Luke twelve seven. Why even the hairs of your head are all numbered. God knows how many hairs you have on your head, or for the bald people in here, how many hairs you've lost through the years. That's amazing and special, right? Philippians one six. I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And I already share what Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, that we are his workmanship, created for good works that God planned beforehand. Here's, Here's what I picture happening. God sitting, knitting us together and said, this is Chris, my beloved creation, and I have these spiritual gifts for him, for these specific purposes, for these specific uses, for the advancement of my kingdom, for the building up of my church. And he did that for each and every single one of us. Paul highlights this in his letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians, listen to these verses. Verse one, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Verse four, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Verse seven, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. The existence and use of spiritual gifts reveals God's divine fingerprint in us. Our spiritual gifts are not random or by accident. It's not by our own power or our own doing that we have these spiritual gifts. It is a divine and holy thing that we have spiritual gifts and are able to use them. That's amazing. That's a transformational reality right there. Finally, spiritual gifts give us purpose. Spiritual gifts give us purpose. There are always, always opportunities to use our spiritual gifts, and God uses every one of those opportunities for his purposes and his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we get to share in his purpose and his plan. God in his divine wisdom decided to use us, and there's opportunities are always out there. Some of the opportunities are expected, but no less divine. I think, back to that account from Exodus, those two guys that God called. We don't know a ton about them. There's not much revealed about them in Scripture. But I think it's pretty fair to assume, safe to assume, and maybe I shouldn't make assumptions about Scripture, but here I am. I'm going to do it. All right? Craig can scold me later if I'm wrong. But I don't think that these men were doing other things besides working with wood and cutting stone before they were called to this task. I think old Oho and Bez will call them because I'm not going to pronounce those names again. They were probably carpenters. They were probably masons already doing this type of work for a living. And God elevated their natural talents to something more special through spiritual gifting for a specific purpose and a specific reason. Think about it. wouldn't it have instilled a lot of confidence in Moses and Israelites if, if Oho was a baker and Bez was a, was a, was a, a fisherman or something. You know, you can bake a mean unleavened biscuit, but how are you going to build the tabernacle? I think this guy had abilities and talents already at use. So it was probably not surprising that these two men were called out. It would have been affirmation and confirmation for them. Oh, it makes sense. They're experts in their field, and now God's called them to this divine, this divine work of exceptional purpose. So for us... When God gives us an opportunity to use our spiritual gifts, it may be expected. It may make sense, right? But sometimes, sometimes, I think it's completely unexpected. As I was thinking about this, I was reminded of of the story of David and Goliath. We all know this story, right? Goliath is this mighty warrior who is plaguing the Israelites. He's undefeated. He's causing them to, to just cower in fear. And he's leading the army of the Philistines against them. And every day he goes out and says, send your best warrior against me. And they cower in fear. They can't do it. And he's just, just a torment for them. And then David shows up. Little David, right? And he what? He kills Goliath with a with a rock thrown by a sling. Listen, David's not the hero of that story because he had a natural talent with a sling. All right? It was something else altogether different. Listen to 1 Samuel 16, listen to what happens. David shows up and, and, and Goliath is out there and he's taunting David. He says, you little ruddy kid, what are you doing out here? You bring a stick to this fight? Look, I've got armor and, and a spear and a sword and a shield bearer and I'm massive. you got nothing against me. Listen to David's response. 1 Samuel sixteen forty five. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. It wasn't David's natural talent with a, the with a sling here. It was his spiritual gift of faith. It was a spiritual gift of faith. And like unlike those two men that, that God had, had given them natural talents and they were using those natural talents and God called them to a specific purpose, here we have God placing David at, at the right time, the right place at the right time to do something very specific, not for David's benefit, but for the benefit of the entire Israelite nation. And this, in fact, set David on the course to become King David. This is how God works in us through our spiritual gifts. It gives us purpose beyond anything we could ever attain on our own. Elevates our purpose to something divine and holy and and truly world-changing. God wants to use us for it. Think about that. God wants to use your spiritual gifts for that type of purpose. Whether the opportunities to use our gifts come in expected or unexpected ways, the opportunities are always for a greater purpose. Paul highlights this in his letter to the Ephesian church. Listen to verses 15 and 16 again. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. As believers, we don't have to wonder what our purpose in life is or what we were created for. We know that God created us for a purpose, for works that he planned beforehand and that he has gifted us with spiritual gifts to accomplish through obedience and faith in him. That's what God has called us to. Have you ever sat wondering, what, am I, what on earth am I here for? There's books been written about that. People wrestling with that question for generations. What on earth are we here for? What's my purpose? What's my calling in life? We always have this calling. We always have this purpose to use our spiritual gifts to build one another up in love Don't call the police. It's okay. We're almost done. We're almost done. All right? Someone hit the panic button on their phone. We're almost done. We're always called to this great purpose. There's a common saying in the church, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's not God's ideal for the church. God's ideal is 100% of the people doing 100% of the work, blessed and equipped and empowered by him through the using of their spiritual gifts. And when we use all our spiritual gifts, then each part of the body of Christ is working properly and we build one another up for greater and greater works and more effectively advance God's kingdom. Spiritual gifts give us a greater purpose, and there are always opportunities to use them. And the transformational reality and all that is this. This shows that God is truly with us wherever we go. God was with those two men as they were going about their lives, building tents and building crafts that they built, and he was with them when he called them to help build the tabernacle and lead that project. God was with David as he was out shepherding the flock and when his dad sent him on a a normal errand to bring food to his brothers and get a report, God was with David there when he faced Goliath and he used that spiritual gift of faith to overcome that giant. God is with us wherever we go each and every day. And we have a spiritual gift that God has called us to use for specific purposes, greater purposes than we could ever hope or imagine or attain on our own. I'm gonna close our time together by highlighting a few Just simple yet important next steps that we can take that I think will will help you begin to discover maybe what your spiritual gifts are and put yourself in a greater position to be used by God for the purpose in which he has created you. First and foremost, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Spiritual gifts come at our our spiritual birth. When we are converted, when when we have a spiritual birth, we receive spiritual gifts. We may not know what they are right away, but that's when we get them. So if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I just want to encourage you, don't waste another minute. God's got a greater purpose than you could ever possibly attain on your own. He's got more for you than the world could ever give you, and you are not called to this life of doing it on your own. God wants to do life with you, and he has brothers and sisters in Christ who want to do life with you. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Second, spend time in God's Word and prayer. We can only use our spiritual gifts in obedience to God and we cannot be obedient to God if we're not spending time with him in his word and in prayer. We won't know what God's will is if we're not in the word and in prayer, all right? Third, submit to the authority of the Holy Spirit. We have to submit to the authority of the Holy Spirit. God's indwelling spirit equips us with these spiritual gifts. It guides us and puts us in the path to use these spiritual gifts without the Holy Spirit, we will miss out on the opportunities that God gives us to use our spiritual gifts. We'll miss out. We must submit to the authority of the Holy Spirit. And finally, find a place to serve. Find a place to serve. If you're not serving on a ministry team at Crosswinds, then you should join one. It's as simple as that. I promise you something will happen. If you find a place to serve, God is gonna give you opportunities to find an environment in which your spiritual gifts will thrive and you'll be able to bless others. I promise you that will happen. It may take trial and error, but it will happen. As you serve, you will grow and learn. You will be blessed by God and you will bless others. And you will get to use your spiritual gifts in just mighty unprecedented ways. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you so much. Lord, our words just can't even express the, the, the wonderment, the awe that goes into the fact that you lovingly knit us together in our mother's wombs and, and you didn't stop there. You, you looked ahead at our future and you, and you, you planned out, mapped out our future. God. And you gave us spiritual gifts to use to accomplish your will in the world, to advance your kingdom, to build up our brothers and sisters in Christ and to increase the population. But God, in your your divine mystery, you gave us free will. We don't have to use our spiritual gifts. We don't have to go according to the plan you've given us, God. So help us to not take our eyes off you. Help us to not take your indwelling Holy Spirit for granted, but to submit fully to its authority in our lives. And I pray for anybody here who has not accepted you as their Lord and Savior. That today would be the day of their salvation. Today would be the day they recognize that the world has nothing to offer comparing to what you offer them. That they recognize that you have called them to a greater purpose, to love and good works, Lord. We love you, Lord. We give you praise. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst and what you're gonna do as we scatter from this place. Thank you, Lord.